This message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis Vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org. We want to grow up, we want to mature, we want to build ourselves throughout this year. I want to reiterate these things now over these three weeks, last week with holiness, this week with community, and next week with mission. So as we consider these things, I'm going to be using the word drift, because you know, grow, you usually think shrink. But what I want us to do for this time anyway, for these three weeks together, uh, something that's a part of my vernacular personally in my home and with my friends and, and here at the Axis, is the word drift. So don't think grow and shrink. Think you're either growing or you're drifting. Drifting is, is natural. Drifting is just one little incremental change after another one. It's not a huge shift. Growing is fighting the natural driftings of our heart. Again, we naturally drift towards what is easiest. We naturally drift towards worldliness. We naturally drift towards isolation. We naturally drift towards self-interest. It takes intentional effort to pursue Jesus in holiness. It takes intentional effort to pursue community. It takes intentional effort to live a life as a missionary, which we believe here at Axis that every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian is a disciple. Every Christian is a discipler. We hold to this, and we know that this doesn't come natural, that it's against our, na- our, our nature, especially that of our sinful nature. So I want you to be thinking of fighting the drift and struggling and toiling and working and climbing uphill. Worldliness is a ball rolling downhill. Holiness is pressing this, this weighted ball up this incline. Same thing with community. Isolation is drifting down. It's easy. It takes intentional effort, intentional effort and diligence and perseverance to push uphill and claw and climb towards community. And so with this, I want us to think if there's these three hopes of, of holiness and community and, and mission, I want us, if those are three volumes of our, of our life, three volumes of literature for our 2015 as a church, corporately and individually, I want us to think of bookends, uh, two things holding those up on our life shelf, and that is proper motivation and proper goal. The proper motivation for growing up, growing in, and growing out, for pursuing holiness and pursuing community and pursuing mission is not that we would impress God. Because of Christ, we can't impress God. Jesus Christ impressed God for us. It's a core belief and doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So practically with community, we don't pursue church community to get God to love us more. That's impossible. Pursuing Christian community is a result of God's loving and gracious activity towards us already that he has specifically shown us and given to us in sending Jesus for us to redeem us, forming a new people. And all of the Christian life is a response to his activity for us and in us. It's not working for a response, but it's in response to him working for us. And and I I fear, because I've heard that preached for 29 years before it made sense to my heart. And so I know there's people who hear that and they're like, okay, that sounds good, but it's not really clicking. I want you to really think through this for a moment here. 
You don't do the things that you do as a Christian. For those who are Christians in the room, you don't do what you do to impress God. You don't do what you do as a Christian to get him to smile bigger towards you. You don't do what you do as a Christian to, give him, to get, him, get him to give you a thumbs up for the day. And when you fail to do the Christian things and pursue holiness and community and mission and pursue him in scripture, it's not like he begins to get this concern on his face. He doesn't drop the corners of his mouth from grinning. He doesn't drop his thumb when you fail. If it was on your own, yes, but your salvation is not your own doing. It's not of your own work so that you would not boast about it. Ephesians 2, it's the work of Christ, and Christ has earned the ultimate grin from God towards you. He's earned the ultimate thumbs up, and it's sealed in concrete, sealed by the very blood of Jesus. Nothing can shake the thumbs up of God towards you because of what Christ has done. So your life as a Christian, your pursuing of Jesus pursuing of the church and pursuing as a life on mission is not to get God to give you a favorable response. He has given that to you in Christ. You live these ways and these things in obedience in response to him, not to get him to give you a response. Motivation is key to the Christian life. Wonderful things can take place, but if it's wrong motivation, it's much like the church in Ephesus that, that Jesus wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, I believe it's Revelation chapter 3, where he said, all these wonderful things that you're doing, yet you've missed this one thing, the motivation and the heart for which you do it, you no longer are doing it for the right reasons. So he says, return your heart to the first love that you used to do these things in, return to the proper motivation, and then get back to it. You're doing great things, but your heart is not in the right place and why you're doing them. So that's the motivation book in. And the goal is to make the real Jesus famous through all of your life. You pursue Jesus to make him famous. You grow into community to make him famous. You live out on mission to make him famous. To make Jesus famous and to glorify God, his father, our father, for those who are Christians. So last week, we, we unpacked growing up, fighting the drifting towards worldliness pursuing our holiness. And now today, I want us to press in to the second grow, which is to grow in. This grow in is in regards to our need for community, specifically the local church. And I know that many people, if you're in church for any amount of time, you find that it's difficult to bear with one another in love in the local church. And a lot of people have different perspectives on their expectations of the church. And so because of this and, and my need for Jesus to help me and the Holy Spirit to move, I want us to stop here and pray, and then we're going to continue on with the sermon, okay? Jesus, Lord, thank you for doing what we could not do. Thank you for impressing your Father on our behalf. Thank you for taking care of our sin. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for transforming us, Holy Spirit, and working in us. Lord, to do the things that you've laid out beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, I ask you now to, to be with me as I communicate and be with us all as we hear. Lord, would you speak to our hearts and our minds about something that's, that's difficult at times. Lord, I know there's been a lot of, of pain experienced through your churches scattered abroad, your local churches. There's been a lot of wounds. There's a lot of, a lot of sores in this room from, from past church experiences and even present church experiences. And I just ask you to use this as, as a healing balm today 
that we can press in towards faithfulness to be part of what is so dear to your heart, and that's the church. Lord, help me and help us in Christ's name. Amen. So growing into community, growing in, and when I say community today, I'm using it as the Christian community, speaking of the local church, not just Christians abroad or Christian groups in general, but specifically a local church. The growing in is in regards to our, our necessary fight that we must have to put up, to put up a resistance, to fight for, fight against the, the ever natural drifting towards isolation and ultimately towards loneliness. Growing into a church community, it requires a certain level of vulnerability. It requires sharing. It requires commitment. It requires that we reconstruct our priorities in life of, of what we own and what we have and how we spend our time and our resources. Pressing into community and growing into community means having a shared goal, a common goal. Being a part of a local church and seeking to grow into community is seeking out discipleship from others as well as discipling others. And the basic way that, that we want to see this type of community formed here, specifically at the Axis Church, is, is through our Axis communities. It's our primary resource where we basically get together and practice community. We practice what it's like to grow in and know people and be known by people so that we're missed when we're not there. And we love it when we're there. It's like we miss others when they're not there. We're, we're, we're known and we're loved. And where we know others and we get to love others. I, I, I commercial here. I want to see every single one of you in an access community this fall. I, the reason is because I believe it's extremely vital to your pursuit of Jesus. I think it's vital to you being a healthy Christian in living in community. I mean, we are better together and we need one another. I need you. You need me. We need one another. We have to have one another. Community, the church community, is at the very heart of God's redemptive effort in saving us through Jesus Christ. This echoes back in the Old Testament, a very basic textile uh, principle here with Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their work and their toil and their effort. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, a chief tactic of the enemy, who is prowling around like a lion after you every day, a primary tactic of the enemy is to pull us into isolation, is to isolate us, much like a pack of hyenas trying to isolate a wildebeest so that there's less power in community, we can isolate and devour. And it's there in our isolation that we find ourselves uncomfortably and dangerously vulnerable. And we're afraid. But it's honestly, it's too late to be vulnerable in that place, facing the enemy one-on-one. -on -one. That's where we are devoured. You see, if we would have only been aware enough and vulnerable enough on the front end of this, we would rarely, if ever, find ourselves in the forced vulnerable place before the enemy 
alone. So there's vulnerability on both sides. You're either going to be vulnerable on the front end to help protect you, or you're going to be forced vulnerable for the enemy and be devoured. It's very strong. I believe that there will be a certain amount of vulnerability surrounding community, any community, not just Christian community. There's, there's vulnerability in any community, wherever you may find it. The vulnerability to begin opening up to a community or experiencing the forced vulnerability on the back end where there's no one around to help in a tremendous time of need. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite theologians, said that to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. No, it will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I love that quote. It challenges my drifting towards isolation. God, as quoted in Genesis, says it rightly, it's not good for man to be alone. The wisdom of this simple observation is undeniable. We deny community at our own demise. And when we say no to community, or we say, well, we're going to wait for community, we don't just stay there. We drift towards isolation. And what we essentially say is, I'm not needed, and I don't need anyone else. But nothing could be further from the truth in your need for community. You're robbing others of the gifts that they need that you have, that you've been gifted with to give to the local church. And you're robbing yourself of being benefited and blessed by other people's gifts towards you personally by being a part of a church community. And when you don't have a community, when you're not growing in, fighting the tug towards isolation, fighting the drifting towards isolation, when you don't have a community that you're a part of, you not only have no one to mourn with when life hurts, and aches, but you have no one to celebrate with. Anniversaries, birthdays, promotions. Like, it's not just good to have people around to mourn. It's great to be around people so that you can celebrate together. It's a community is a vital resource, but it does take work and patience and vulnerability to benefit from it. And the Christian community itself is unique from other types of community that you might find in bars, in gyms, on softball fields. I mean, all these things can be helpful community. You can have friendships there. But Christian community is different than these other forms of community. And, and first, that it pushes you to submit to biblical principles. Christian community pushes you to live under Scripture. You see, there's, it, it, it's a shared trajectory that you're in on. There's a common goal, and that's honoring God. It's living under his call to be holy as he is holy, not just to be happy as I want you to be happy, but to be holy as he is holy. It's living under his commandments regardless of what culture may say. There's something bigger at play in Christian community than you merely being happy. 
So much advice that I hear on the softball field or in the electric co-op places that I go shop sometimes is, man, man, I just want you happy. A man pours his heart out about his marriage, right? And the guy's like, man, you deserve better than that. You just need to move on from her. That advice should not come from the church. That advice is not Christian. That's not biblical. It's popular, but it's not biblical. Man, I just want to see you happy. No, that's not a bottom line statement. Yes, I want everyone to be happy. I want you to be happy. Yes. But foundationally, against your happiness sometimes is I want you to honor God and live for him in holiness. And a lot of times that's against what makes us happy. A lot of times that actually is what makes us very uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's inconvenient to honor God sometimes, right? So if we just base everything on being happy, if that's the, if that's the authority that we live under, then we're going to make different decisions. But if we live under the Bible and what it tells us to do, this is a way where Christian community stands in stark contrast to popular community. Being faithful to your spouse, being faithful to fight sin, and not celebrating sin or encouraging more sin, which is all too prevalent in, usually in, in non-Christian community. What I love about Christian community in the local church is sin doesn't have to be hidden or shamed. Our sin doesn't have to surprise us. We can work through it together because of the saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. But in other communities that I've experienced outside of local church, it's like you, you can't be truly honest because there's a fear that if you're truly known that you won't be accepted. But in the gospel and in the local church, you are fully known and you can be fully loved at the same time. But you, I haven't experienced that outside of the Christian community. So you can be honest without shame or condemnation. You can experience a greater level of freedom as you learn to be more authentic and less fake or phony. The Christian community is marked by grace and forgiveness rather than getting even or abandoning one another, which is typical of other communities that I've experienced. Christian community in the local church, it experiences the Spirit of God unlike any other community that's formed on earth. It unifies us together around Jesus. It unifies us together around his love for others. It unifies us together around the mission of God for his people. There's a unifying element through the Spirit of God that pulls his Christians together in the local church, experiencing unity and harmony, living on mission that's, that's unique from other forms of community that we find today. A beautiful thing about Christian community in the local church is that it doesn't just benefit us in this lifetime, but it echoes through eternity. It, it, it sets forth redemptive, redemptive works that are going to be played out in eternity forever. The Christian community allows you to bring others into your struggle as you learn how to fight for others and fight for yourself. You hear of people praying for you and pulling for you and encouraging you and believing in you as you work through your weaknesses and sin, and they don't just push you to the edges. I believe that Christian community is vital for you staying close to God and pursuing Jesus faithfully. And I believe that Christian community is unique in how it doesn't merely love those who are lovable, and it doesn't just like those who are likable, but because of the gospel, we're able to see 
people that we don't necessarily feel drawn to in other circles of life, we love and care for because they are fellow brothers and fellow sisters, that they are with us on this mission. And in other forms of community, it would just be too awkward or cumbersome to bear with certain people like that. But through the gospel, we learn that we are the unlikable and the unlovable. And the gospel tells us to look beyond that into something deeper because Jesus looked beyond us and our, and our sin in order to love us and redeem us and bring us back into friendship with himself and his father. And so in this way, we can model this even here as opposed to ostracizing or showing favoritism or, or picking favorites. The bottom line is, Christian, you are called to live in community. And if you're, if you're not in community, I don't see that you're on a healthy trajectory. And so get in on Christian community, specifically that of the local church. Jesus saved a people, not just a person. So there's a call to be in community by the mere mission of Jesus. Even his saving work has a larger, larger communal impact and intent. Peter states our identity using plural concepts and terms and not individualizing the Christian. He says in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race, not just a chosen person. You're a chosen race. You're not just a royal priest. You're a royal priesthood. You're not just a holy person or citizen. You're a holy nation. You are not just a person, but you're a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, plural, out of darkness into his marvelous light. But once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, not just a person. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Christian, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Implied in loving the brotherhood is knowing the brotherhood. Loving the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now, regardless of, of how we may have seen the church behave in the past, may we not allow others' actions, or perhaps even our own, steer us away from praying and seeing God perform a miracle with us at Axis in community. As we, as we hope and long for and plan for a church to be different than what we've perhaps experienced before. I mean, I may not have had a good experience with a transmission, but I don't throw the whole concept of automobile to the curb and ride a bike or a horse the rest of my life. But we do the similar thing when we've experienced church in an unhelpful way. We typically just abandon the church and move on. We extend grace and patience through so many other things, and time and time again they continue to fail us, but, but when it comes to church, it seems that we have such high expectations that others will never let us down, that others will never fail us. We expect others to treat us perfectly, always like God can only treat us. And when that expectation is not met in some sort of way, we walk away from the church, we don't press in the community, we might wander in and wander out, but we're not plugging in because we've been hurt by it before. And I know that church can hurt. I know that church has hurt. I've been there before, and I, I personally wrestle with this. I understand the church politics. I mean, personally, as a part of the local church, I've, on staff, I've, I've been told who I can be friends with and who I can't be friends with. It'd be like me telling Jacob. It'd be like, Jacob, you can't be friends with Darian. He's my friend. I don't want you putting your time into knowing Darian. He's mine because I'm jealous for Darian. I don't want you plugging into his life. I'm, I'm his friend. And these conversations actually took place. I was told what to do and how to do it and with who I could do it with. 
I had to pass my, uh, my gifts, like every October's like pastor appreciation month, right? Well, every time I would get anything as the youth pastor, I would have to submit it to the, the, the pastor of the church, the lead pastor, and see if he wanted anything that I got. And then I would take what he didn't take, even though it wasn't for him. So yeah, that hurts. That, that's, <laughs> that's not fun, okay? And that, but that's actually really happened. Most sensitive to my heart is when Jill was on her deathbed at one point after a gallbladder uh, removal. There was a post-op hemorrhage. There was internal bleeding. Her, her blood pressure was going crazy. Her heart rate, her heart rate was crashing. Uh, they had to pull out this crash cart. You know, the thing that's got all the blood transfusion stuff and the, the zapper. I'm a doctor. Um, <laughs> All the medical students are twitching. They're like, don't call it the zappers. Um, they, they pulled this out, and, and, a, and a man, a, a doctor, literally took both hands and put them on my shoulders. This actually happened to me in my life. I hope this never has to happen to you, but he takes me by the shoulders and says, sir, your wife is dying. Within 24 hours, I don't get a phone call. I get an email from my pastor saying, you've missed office time and you no longer have any vacation days, you use those up yesterday and today. So any time now into the future that you miss for work, it's unpaid leave while you deal with Jill. Like that actually happened. And that hurts, especially, especially when there should be such unity among even the leaders of the church. So I understand that Christian community <laughs> is difficult. I understand that it's hurt. And I would, being honest, I would rather walk away from the church. I would rather walk away from the church and isolate myself from any further hurt and disappointment. But I know that that's much more risky. I know it's much more risky for me. Even if it hurts, it's much more risky for me to do that than to submit once again to a community called the church. It'd be putting my spiritual life in danger, my family in danger. So by God's grace, I press in, and I ask you to press in. The church community helps us fight the drift towards worldliness and isolation when you would normally tap out. And by being involved in the church and, and being a part of the church, you have others to help you stay more faithful. We are better together. We're better in community. And I know that we've all seen church in dysfunctional ways. We've seen the cliques. We understand passive aggressiveness. We've seen superficial conversations take place rather than quality gospel conversations. We've been a part of conversations where people are, are friendly just enough, but they are never going so far as being a true friend. We've heard people talk about others, but rarely to others, helping them through their weakness. We know what it's like to speak of something that we need and, and, and where we're aching, and we feel like more of an inconvenience than anything. We've experienced sarcasm before, where people, as they hurt us with their words, at just the right moment, they look at us with this huge grin and chuckle and say, I'm just kidding, man, when perhaps they're probably the most honest right before the just kidding. We've been a part of these things. We've been wounded by this. We all hear good intentions, but we lack in seeing faithfulness. We know what it's like to, to seek out community for what's in it for me, but not how can I exist for the good of others? 
We've been a part of favoritism and ostracizing and phony encouragement and accepting of white lies and respectable sins and gossip. We've experienced wanting a hug and just a, a shoulder to cry on, but instead we just get advice of, well, you should have done this. And what I think you should do is that. That feels like it's come from such a cold heart. We experience where our differences and where we're unique doesn't make us better, but where it makes things awkward and we're isolated and pushed to the peripheral. We know how slow confrontation moves and how fast bitterness grows. We've seen people shamed as opposed to gospeled. We've seen people hated as opposed to loved. I'm not naive. However, none of this, as horrid as this is, none of this should pull us away from seeing God redeem even how the church handles herself in church community. The church still has a place. We're not to do away with it. We're not to do away with it. The church may be ugly and rough at times, but it doesn't give us permission to toss her to the curb. Is there a perfect church? There's not a perfect local church. Will you be disappointed here at the Axis? Yes, you'll be disappointed here at the Axis. Will we intentionally hurt you? I pray that that never happens. Will we always seek to be healthier and grow in godliness together? By God's grace, yes. My prayer is that we will see God form something new with our concept of community, knowing all the baggage that we're bringing into this Christian community. Or perhaps it's not something new that he would create. Perhaps it's something really old, like 2,000 years old. That's what I'm praying for Christ to perform here at the Axis Church. Back at the very beginning of the church, this is what was said of the early church. Y'all ready for this? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's another word for friendship in Scripture. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. Devoted themselves to these things. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, they were together. And they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Speaking of the Christian community. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Man, they were praising God. They were having favor with all the people. And look at this. This is beautiful. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Saved, radically saved and rescued by Jesus Christ because they were loving one another and fighting the drifting towards isolation and worldliness. They became so strangely relevant to their city. And so many people began getting saved. Thousands of people were being saved daily because the relevance of fighting for holiness and fighting for Christian community and living on mission together. Continuing in Acts 4, now the number of those who believed were of one heart, and they were of one soul, and no one said of anything that belonged to him that it was his own, but they had everything in common. Man, that's beautiful. That, is that not attractive? I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's not doing it for a write-off, you know? That's doing it just because they wanted to give to people, to give to one another in their Christian community, in their church. 
and with great power. I love that great power. You'll see another great here in a moment. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. They began to see themselves through the gospel as stewards and not owners. Everything that was mine and my and I became ours and we, community. We benefit from it, and we're a benefit to others through it. My prayer for the axis is that we would consider passages like this close to our hearts and live in light of these things. Christians, axis church, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, there's your identity, all right? So that's your motivation is because you are loved and because you are chosen by God, because you were cherished by him. Now, here's, that's the motivation, so here's what we're being called to do. So Christians, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Man, put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. And bear with one another. Like, stick it out. Like, be tough together. Work through these things together. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. Well, how do you do that? You let the gospel shape your heart. He tells you right here, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. You don't forgive because it's the good thing to do. You don't forgive because it's noble. You don't forgive because it's nice. You forgive because you've been forgiven. Motive makes all the difference. So you also must forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And above all these things, above meekness and, and uh, humility and patience and compassionate hearts and kindness and bearing with one another, man, those things are great, but there's a foundation here that you have to have. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, community yet again. And be thankful church. Let there be a thankful spirit in you, not an angsty spirit. Man, don't, don't, don't gather together with an angsty, sinful heart like that. Come with a thankful heart. And with, when there is something being angsty in your heart and churning, man, if it's something that you need to deal with with someone else, speak it. Bear with one another, forgiving one another. Don't hold on to that and let bitterness just change you. Speak of these things. Work through these things. Press into the gospel over these issues. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which you were indeed called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ, let scripture, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual thong, songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Church, as we consider our community, you must know that each one of you in the Axis community, whether you're pressing in now or whether you've been a part of the Christian community Axis for a long time, you've been uniquely gifted to serve the Axis. And the Holy Spirit has uniquely given you certain skills and knowledge and abilities to benefit the Christian community here as we're in together on mission, together in community. 
Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. And the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ears should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the, the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. You have been uniquely gifted to bring your skills, talents, treasures, knowledge to serve not just yourself, but to serve a greater community, the local church. And you might say, well, I don't feel gifted to serve in any way. Okay, I don't believe you. Because the Bible tells me, and I can trust the Bible even more than you. We should trust the Bible more than anything else, right? The Bible said that you have been gifted in some way. So press into community and find out where it is that you've been best gifted to serve the body. In conclusion here, I want us to hear this. When, when we are selective in our community and we only let those in who we want in, or when we're only in community for what we can get out of community, or if we value personal comfort over the needed vulnerability to experience community to begin with, we fail to believe the gospel of Jesus. You see, the gospel is all about Jesus being uncomfortable in order for us to be welcomed into friendship with himself and his father when we were absolutely hostile to all things that are God. That's the gospel. Humanity was once in a perfect community. The community was flawless. This community included God, and it was held together by God himself. And Adam and Eve were in perfect community with God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But sin ruined that. And as a result, Adam fled. He goes and runs away from that community, and he hides himself. However, because of God's great love for us, Jesus left his community, if you will, the, the Trinity, in paradise to redeem us welcoming us back into his home and his family forever. And it seems that we fight for so many things in life, day in and day out, but we drop our gloves when it comes to bearing with one another and persevering through tough times as a church. And our prayer is that you would not allow previous church hurts or even current fears to hold you back from experiencing the community that you were created to be a part of in the local church. I want to see you fight isolation with community. I want to see you fight loneliness with community. How? By growing in the community of the Axis Church. By being intentional in support and commitment and care for others. Committing to look out for others and allowing others to look out for you. And if you don't care about church community and you're just, there's several walls kind of been built up around your heart and you just simply don't care, 
It's probably because you've experienced a lot of pain and heartache through some tough situations that would break my heart and that would break the hearts of your friends. And you've heard pastors just like me saying, get involved in community, and they stab you in your back. And so I get it. I get why a lot of people are resistant to press into Christian community through the church. I've been there. I know it's messy. But, but a lot of things are messy, but we still stick with them. So I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to study scripture. I encourage you to not just run away and tap out. I want you to press in. I want you to see what Jesus wants to do with you, in you, and through you, and for you, as you seek to trust him, even in growing into community and fighting your drifting towards isolation. Let me close with a reading from Romans chapter 12, and then we're going to move into communion as a church family. Access Church, let your love be genuine. May God help us abhor what is evil. Let's hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful or lazy in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, but be constant in prayer. And contribute to the needs of the saints and seek out ways to show hospitality. This is my prayer for us in regards to community. Let me wrap our time. Jesus, thank you for leaving your community, as it were, to come and be with us, to bear with us and for us. God, thank you for your love towards us that even sent Jesus out on mission to redeem us so that we could be back in your heart, known by you, loved by you, accepted by you, approved by you, adored by you, cherished by you, beloved by you because of what your son Jesus did. Holy Spirit, thank you for working in our hearts to transform our hearts and our lives to look more and more like you until we see you face to face. God, I ask that you would help us, help all of us, whether it's our fifth year, sixth year at the Axis, or if it's our 50th minute here at the church. Lord, would you work in our hearts to let us be open to Christian community through the local church. Lord, help us press into community. Help, help the Axis church be healthy in regards to how it loves and treats one another. Would it all be out of a motivation from what you've done for us and how you've loved us? And would it be for the glory of your Father and for making you famous? God, be with those who are fighting through this and struggling through this because of the hurt and the heartache and the pain that they've suffered and endured through the church. Lord, I ask that you would provide healing there and that part of the healing for those wounds would be through pressing in, pressing in once again into knowing you and knowing something that's so dear to your heart in the local church. Be with us now as we press in towards communion as a church family. And let's think about that this morning, taking this as a family. In Christ's name, amen.